In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his only Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday after Trinity is recorded in Genesis chapter 15. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, 
and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then the Lord brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And the Lord said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abram believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is recorded in the Apostle John's first letter, chapter 4. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. This is the word of the Lord. He was, indeed, well-respected. He had a position of prominence, and he had a position of authority. Jesus says he was clothed in purple and fine linen, the attire of a man who had achieved a prominent position in government, in society in the culture. This man worked very hard for the things that he achieved. Perhaps his business provided work for countless members of the community. Perhaps he gave large sums of money to support a local orphanage or hospital. In any case, he enjoyed the fruits of his labors he ate well. He could afford the finer things of life. In the text, it says, he fared sumptuously every day. He lacked for nothing. He earned it. He had a right to it. And then there's Lazarus. He is a beggar. He had nothing. He is described by Jesus in the parable as the poorest of the poor, the sickest of the sickly. We don't know much about his circumstance. How had he lost his livelihood if he ever had a livelihood? Did he ever have the means to support himself? Had he been an orphan? Had he been abused? Had he been divorced, abandoned by family and friends? Was he the victim of unfortunate circumstances? Or was this man irresponsible, a lazy sluggard? And that's why he lost any position or means to support himself. Was his foolishness the cause of his own problems? We don't really know. Jesus doesn't tell us. All we know is that in the parable, he was too sick to work. He was destitute. Laid at the rich man's gate and apparently content simply to nibble on a few crumbs that would fall his way from the rich man's table. He was pathetic. 
a pathetic figure, and the dogs came and licked the sores of his body. They were his only companions, but they gave him no relief. We know by Jesus' parable the fate of both of these men. Simply put, the rich man went to hell. The beggar went to heaven. But think of this. So many times I contemplate this text. In this life, I would rather be the rich man. Wouldn't you? I don't want to be covered with sores. I don't want to be destitute. I don't want to lose everything. Throughout our lifetime, we are all given opportunities to examine ourselves and what is most important in our lives. And it's easy when we're living the kind of life, like the rich man, to say, my Lord is the most important person in my life. I will suffer all, the loss of everything, rather than fall away from him. But then, when the loss of everything threatens us, the confidence wanes. When things are going well and we are able to enjoy life and the fruits of our labors, oh, it is easy as Christians to confess that Jesus matters most. But when all we've worked for, for so hard is threatened and we face sickness or hardship, the ravages of inflation, adversity, our confession in Christ may not be what we thought it was. What is a God? A God is whatever we look to for our greatest good. A God is that for which I can't lose this. If I lose this, whatever this is, then all hope is lost and I have no comfort and no salvation. So actually, for us on this side of the grave, who experience on a day-to-day basis the weaknesses of our sinful flesh, whether we realize it or not, including the arrogance and pride that can sometimes come by having so much. Sometimes it is good for us to have our idols threatened by adversity, by sickness, by hardship, or by loss. When things are going well, we can be lulled to a kind of spiritual complacency and lose the one thing needful, Christ and his word. Riches do not condemn, nor is poverty a virtue that saves, and that might come as a great relief to some of you. Faith in Christ alone saves. And where does this faith come from, which is a living trust of the heart that can enable a Christian to be imprisoned for years, cut off from word and sacrament, but living from the word and sacrament received in times of plenty? What causes such faith to be born and to be resilient when Christ's word of mercy and forgiveness 
is spoken into our hearts and lives at the darkest moments when we're stripped of everything and have only Jesus to hold on to. It is when we come to hear and receive the message of St. John, God is love. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. When we hear in the midst of hardship and the cross of suffering, what Abram heard, I am your shield, I am your great reward. There is much to meditate upon the story of the rich man and Lazarus. One of those things is how the faith of a person's heart, everybody has some kind of faith, how it dictates the actions of that person's life. In the early verses of the parable, if you think about it, there is actually nothing in the rich man that is off-putting or offensive. There was a rich man who fared sumptuously every day. He was dressed in purple and fine linen. I'd like to be rich and fare sumptuously every day and have a position of prominence. But as the parable progresses, we see that this rich man really did trust in his riches, in his own accomplishments. He really trusted in himself. He was a self-made man. He needed no one. He had power and strength, and therefore he deserved the kind of life that he had. He really had made a God out of himself and out of his money and out of his accomplishments and the pleasures that those accomplishments afforded him. But what did this false faith produce? It was an idolatrous faith. It produced a man who cared only about himself, who despised others who had not achieved. It produced the disposition of the Pharisee, I thank God I'm not like other sinners, especially this beggar covered with sores. He really must be a foul and wicked man to be suffering so. Even from the grave, the rich man tries to order Lazarus around as if even in hell he believes the beggar Lazarus to be in a lower position before God than he. Such is the nature of unbelief and of a faith that is placed anywhere but in Christ it will inevitably degenerate into self-centeredness, selfishness, and arrogant pride. There's no other alternative. Why does faith in Christ save? Abram believed in the Lord, and that faith in the Lord, which had the Lord alone as his object, he was declared righteous. Faith lays hold of Jesus, who let go of everything for us. Think about that. Faith lays hold of Jesus, who let go of everything for us. Faith lays hold of Jesus, the royal one dressed in purple and fine linen, but who stripped himself of his garments and got on his knees and washed our feet. St. Paul says, you know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. He is the Son of God. That's who our Savior is. He is the one through whom God the Father created the universe and in whom all things hold together and consist. He holds all might and power and riches in his hands. But he sets it all aside for you and for me and for a world of idolatrous sinners. He humbles himself and becomes the poor beggar the self-giving love of God that we heard St. John speak of in the epistle that we celebrated last week in the mystery of the Holy Trinity is on full display in the cross. There he suffers and dies to save us from our self-centeredness and pride and from our own idolatries. There on the cross, Jesus becomes naked, stripped of the purple robe, He becomes the sickly beggar for you, for he himself took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows and sicknesses. The proud and the arrogant dogs bark at him and lick his wounds with a taunt. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross and save yourself. But had he done that, he would not have been our Savior nor would he have been the Son of God. Why did Christ die for you? His great love for his Father. And this love for his Father caused Jesus to love you ahead of himself. So you see, his faith and love for the Father turned even Jesus outside of himself in benefit for us. His reliance upon his Father, especially in the face of suffering and death and the loss of everything. That is Jesus' love. And it is why we love him who first loved us. Whether we have much or little of the goods of creation, as Christians we are confessed that we are beggars, one and all. That is for sure. Holy Scripture alone, the writings of Moses and the prophets, are what bring us to repentance and faith. Because they proclaim to us the sufficiency of the death and the resurrection of the rich man who became poor for us. Apart from God's word, we know nothing of our sin. Apart from Christ. We know nothing of the depth of God's love. But by his grace, received in broken and, heart, uh, broken and contrite hearts, when our idols are smashed, faith is born and strengthened, and we are comforted. During the difficult times of our life, God's word promises the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith 
with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. In addition to the prayers listed in the congregation at prayer, we also remember Randy Kirk today. He is an envoy, so to speak, from our congregation uh, visiting the Lutheran Church of Nigeria and assisting at the seminary and their international center uh, in technology support. Let us pray. O Lord God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that like Abraham we may believe your promises to us in Christ and be counted righteous for Jesus' sake, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Lord God, you have given Matthew our synodical president, John our district president, Rob our circuit visitor, Brennick Christensen our associate pastor, that we may hear Moses and the prophets and so be convinced by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Make their proclamation and the proclamation of all pastors faithful and fruitful among us, that we may not fall into the torments of Hades, but be carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Lord God, we give thanks to you for our baptism into Christ. And we pray your blessing upon Carol Zick and Heather Skrapensky celebrating baptismal birthdays this week. Lord, in your mercy. 
O Lord God, we give thanks to you for the gift of holy matrimony. And in thanksgiving to your grace and abiding mercy, we pray for Brian and Kathy Stoltenberg, Matthew and Emily Bender, Stan and Joan Heine, celebrating wedding anniversaries this week. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, from whom all fatherhood is named, we give you thanks for earthly fathers. Give them confidence in their station and zeal for their task to care for their families faithfully. Make them examples to their children of a godly life and love of your word. Bless their work of bringing up children in the fear and instruction of the Lord. And give them the comfort of your absolution over all their shortcomings. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, your word teaches that a great army cannot save the king, and a war horse is a false hope for salvation. Grant that our nation would not put its hope in the strength of civil rulers, nor our warriors, but in you alone. Bless and keep those who serve in our military, and use them as your arm to guard and deliver us from all our enemies. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, uphold all who suffer in body or mind. Marlene Schaefer, Reverend Tom Locke, Reverend John Pless, Kent Kunkel, Walter Schmudlach, Jill Franklin, Bernice Lemke, Jackie Klug, Jim Weber, John Paul Biney, Amy Bruss, Barbara Weeding, Josiah Berenger, Todd Frederich, and Cliff Evans. Be their help and their shield. Bring healing according to your will. Remind them of the great reward you have prepared for them in Christ. Grant them health and healing in accord with your perfect will and sustain their faith in you, Lord, in your mercy. O Lord God, grant comfort to those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially the family and friends of our beloved brother Ed Lemke. Grant them to know the certainty of salvation in Christ, the hope of the resurrection by the promise of your forgiveness, which Ed confessed all the days of his life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we implore you to rule and govern our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we may not, like the rich man, hear your word in vain and become so devoted to the things of this temporal world that we forget the things eternal, but that we may serve those who are in need readily and according to our ability, not defiling ourselves with carousing or pride. In trial and misfortune, keep us from despair. And let us trust in your fatherly help and grace, that in faith and Christian patience we may overcome all things. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
The Lord be with you. and salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive. Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, in the true faith, unto life everlasting. Depart in peace.
Let us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Welcome to the Divine Service this Father's Day and uh, the investiture through ordination of another spiritual father, Brennan Christensen, this afternoon at 3 o'clock. I know and hope many, most of you are able to come. Uh, Be generous with your dish to pass. Um, Also wanted to encourage the, the perfect storm of busyness this week with the symposium also. Wednesday night, and then on uh, Thursday and Friday. 
So we do have the reception is Wednesday night. Any of you who are able to help out with an hors d'oeuvre for that would be fantastic to do. Thank you very much. Uh, then I also decided after the reception last week at Bible class, we're going to continue a little bit of the discussion about uh, the rite of ordination today at Bible class, and we'll pick up our St. Peter option uh, next Sunday and moving forward. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Thank you, and have a good week. Thank you.